on this episode of AV Week, we talk about getting CTS renewal credits online and at your speed. Also, how you can help your clients who are expanding across the globe get a more consistent AV experience. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Crestron, and by Draper. This is AV Week, episode 286, recorded Friday, February 17th, 2017. Global AV. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. Good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you are listening to this fine podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. With me to talk about that very thing, the news and information, uh, this week, uh, his name is Josh Rego. He's our editor-in-chief, which makes, means he makes me sound smart, uh, and he's also a consultant at TCOM. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. How's everybody doing today? Good. I just flew in from Amsterdam, and boy, are my arms tired. You'll pay for that later. I will. I, I didn't just. I, I got in on Sunday. It was very nice. So, uh, Also with us to talk about news and information, his name is Chris Bianche. He is the president of Herman Pro AV. How are you, sir? I am doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks, for, thanks you guys, so much for, for joining us. Uh, we're going to talk about, yeah, I think maybe one of our stories, maybe two, is, is from ISC, but... ISC was a week ago. If you're interested in, in what we saw and what some other folks saw, uh, you can go to our website, uh, avianation.tv. It's where all of our stuff is. Uh, did a whole bunch of videos and, and some really cool stuff. So, uh, all right, uh, first and foremost, MediaVision. Uh, if you're not familiar with MediaVision, uh, make a lot of, of really cool uh, UC collaboration uh, conference systems. They're offering a CTS class, and not that that is news, but the whole part about it that I found interesting was the fact that it's an online CTS course. Um, and to, to sign up for it, obviously, go through you go through MediaVision. You get one CTS renewal credit. If you're not familiar, what, familiar with what CTS is, that's the um, CTS is the designation from Infocom. You have to have 30 renewal units every three years. Um, to get that. So the fact that they're offering this and they're offering it online, I, I think is unique. Um, Shrego, I'm going to start with you, not for nothing, but you happen to be on the CTS steering committee. Um, so that's something. Um, but the fact that they're offering this online, do you think that this will help folks gain these 30 renewal units and that's faster, but maybe a little bit more conveniently than going to a manufacturer someplace or going to the Infocom show? Well, Tim, as somebody who worked for a manufacturer as a trainer that provided RU units online about five or six years ago, yeah. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times that people would reach out and say, I've got my CTS renewal coming up. I need to find units. Do you have anything I can do? Sure. I have this session. I'm going to be conducting it at this point in time. We're going to do a test. We'll send it out. You fill it back, send it back to me. We'll, we're good to go. Um, and it was really nice. It was just single 
uh, session, maybe one hour, maybe two hours, depending on what you're doing. It makes it super convenient. You can do it anywhere you want, um, assuming that you have a network connection and assuming that you have the access to that information. Yeah. Um, and I mean, these are free provided. They're, they're a great way to get education. Infocom is offering a ton of them themselves as well and has been for a while. Uh, and some of them are kind of unique. I remember a couple of years ago, I took one that was uh, UI development and they hmm. talked about how to create buttons in uh, third-party software, not AV software, but Photoshop and things like that. And then import them in and how to create touch panel layouts in terms of that and, and develop apps in that way. It was, it was, you know, an hour long and it was pretty fascinating to, to talk, uh, to listen to. And at the same time, then they go out and they get their, you know, industry experts and we hear about USB-C and how that's going to change things this way or other technologies. So manufacturers continuing to offer resources regularly. And that's the key is that it can't just be a one-time thing. It can't be a once a quarter thing. It has to be a regular thing. And that's a hard thing to maintain for manufacturers. It's a hard thing to maintain for anybody because that's resources that aren't on the road or you're doing it from a hotel room. And I have done both. Um, so they aren't as much fun when you're sitting in a hotel room trying to prevent the glare. Um, it also provides a very awkward background. You mean like, like your, your bed, unmade? Not going to say it's happened. Not going to say it hasn't happened. All right. So real, real quickly back, back, I'll get to Chris in a second because he's got a, a, a army of people he has to keep CTS credited. Um, <laughs> But but Shrigo, when you're developing these, you said you keep it regular. Is this not to get too much into manufacturers' back pockets? But is this something where you have to have a department, or you have to have you know one point person, or somebody who's passionate enough to own that process to say, you know, guys, we we got to keep you know, we got to hammer on this. You you got to keep this up to date, and we have to start. You know, we have to to offer these things on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. You need to have bodies. Uh, you can't do it without the bodies. You you need somebody that's there that's developing the program that can teach the program, uh, that can maintain the program. The thing to keep in mind is that as you update those programs, though, you have to resubmit them back. So as information changes and as you get new products, they have to go back to Infocom, get renewed for our use, and that is a process and that takes time. I mean. I mean you have to go through for every course there is an effort involved it is it is hours and it is time but manufacturers know that the, the importance of people understanding their products cuts down on service calls it improves the people looking to utilize those products because they understand them and they know that they, they can implement them for any given application and that's really how you start to get into the consultants and the integrators who start to develop favorites is they find a product that they know is reliable they find the product that does the job that they're looking to accomplish they know the differences between the two products that have a you know a versus standpoint and that all comes from these training sessions is understanding those little nuances that allow you to solve your clients problems and create those experiences that we're looking to do all right chris let's pick on you now for a second uh you've got you i, I said you have an army you have a, a a workforce that you have to keep cts certified not for nothing but when folks reach out to you and and if you're not familiar with herman herman you you guys su supply uh subcontract labor and subcontract programming and, and things that, that things of that nature when folks are looking towards you a lot of times they're going to ask you for cts certified workers certified techs 
Um, how do you keep them certified? How do you keep them with their their thirty re- renewal units on a, on a year in and year out basis? Yeah, this this is a discussion that we have uh, probably on a weekly basis around here because it is uh, it's extremely challenging. Being that the majority of our workforce are technicians, and we have over a hundred of them at this point that work directly for our company, um, you know, just having them get the CTS at this point, you know, the the CT, it's an interesting thing because the CTS has evolved over the years. When when I got mine in 1998, um, you know, it was it was a much different world and a much different uh, process to to get it, and it was. You know, it was pretty on point. Um, you know, what what I find today is is the the general CTS is is a very broad program, and a lot of my technical staff struggle with spending the amount of time to just get the CTS, and then having to go on their time. You know, because I can't send a hundred guys to Infocom to take classes yeah. or or get them out in front of manufacturers. And you know, I, like the Media Vision one is interesting. We don't install a lot of Media Vision product, but you know, when the time comes, you know, I guess it would be helpful. If you know somebody had actually taken their class, but um, you know the investment for the return that I'm getting right now, you know we we look at other manufacturers programs as what you know Crestron and AMX and Extron and Biamp and Clear One and all these other companies that are putting out that training directly correlates to the job that they need to do and it helps them be much more qualified. So a lot of companies will ask me, and about 50% of our staff has their CTS, and we have people with CTSI and CTSD, which obviously is more focused. But we're kind of looking at the CTS t- these days as more of, you know, that should be for our higher level folks. Uh, you know, I used to always say that, you know, the CTS shows a minimal level of competence, but for a technician, going through all these other courses teaches them something that di- directly impacts their day-to-day, you know, work. And, and, and you know, we find that to be, because we don't have to constantly be doing renewal credits and things of that nature. I mean, you start looking at a hundred guys having to get 30 hours over a couple of years. It's a, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of hours spent, uh, you know, cause they want to be paid for those hours. Oh, absolutely. So, and I don't blame them. So, um, you know, it's one of those things that we have a constant balance with, um, doing it online. I would love to see much more of it be there because it, you know, again, these guys can do that. Uh, especially if it's if it's something that they can just log into as opposed to having to actually sit through something that's going at you know three o'clock in the afternoon um i don't know uh, you know how i haven't sat in a renewal class in a long time but uh you know well, we're, and, we're, and that was going to be yeah that was going to be my next question uh for you specifically chris is you know would you rather have more of a, a an on-demand as opposed to like what Josh was talking about, more of a webinar. I mean, yes, it's all online, right? So you don't have to physically go somewhere. But having it more on demand, where you can go through it at, at your pace, at you know, if, if the if the the technician is maybe remotely, right? They're they're going to a job site, not in their hometown, so they're they're spending the night at a hotel. They can have dinner, come back to the hotel, and spend an hour or two, you know, getting exactly. it at one one or two re- renewal units. Yeah, I mean that that absolutely would be helpful. I mean, my my bigger challenge, and you know, the CTS is for everyone, so it's got elements of project management and sales and consultants, and you know, we have so many facets of our industry that, from a technician standpoint, I had a technician say a really funny thing to me the other day. They were like, "If I wanted to study this hard, I probably would have gone to college and done something else other than being Navy tech." And I was just like, you know, what, what do you come back and say? It's like, all right, I, I understand your your point. Um, but you know, as I've explained, you know, education is is very important in the AV industry, and the the way you advance yourself in this industry is through learning. But you know, 
what I'm trying to, to figure out is at what point in their career do you invest in the CTS? You know, I always thought it was something to be early, but you know, right now we're looking at maybe more of our high higher level guys. Maybe that's when you move on to the CTSI or a CTSD, um, but get a lot of other skill sets under their belt before they're going into something like that. So it's you know, I think it's just going to be one of those ongoing discussions. You know, that that that's constantly out there. But uh, you know, I'd personally love to see a CTS exam that was geared towards just technicians because you know they're they're not interested in the not, not that they shouldn't learn about project management or they shouldn't learn about the sales aspects or managing clients expectations or all of those kind of good things but at the end of the day they're not interested so you know if if only we had somebody who was on the cts steering committee on on this well i was very, hoping he was still listening is <laughs> mr Schrago. The CTS is a general knowledge test to provide right. you a breadth of information about the way that the AV industry operates and provides and how projects are run and how you deal with AHJs. The fact is there is no resource available that provides that information if you don't get it. So I agree in certain standpoints of, yeah, a lot of the technicians may not need to know pricing and may not need to know other parts of it. But at the same time, does a PM really need to know about AHJs and ADA, they're not designing anything, they're running a project. So it's it's one of those things of, the argument has been made to me several times by many, many people of, oh, well, you, you need to go tell them to do this. You need to go tell them to do that. And I kind of look at it and I go, okay, but I could, but if I do that, then your PM and your tech aren't gonna understand what each other are doing on a project. And now we have one instance where literally in one, without even having to talk to each other, they now say, oh, that's why they do that thing. Hmm. So Infocom is kind of bridging a gap by providing the CTS in the way that they're doing it. Um, yes, the, and that's where you want to get into the more specialized things, you go to the design. Now, other people have stated, well, you know, I don't like the idea that I have to take a CTS to go get a CTSD. You could take the CTS and go get the CTSD the next day. There's no restriction as long right. as you meet yeah. the qualifications. There's no time limitation. So if you want to just go focus on that and you have people that are capable of doing that, send them off. And it benefits you in that way. It, it, now, one little thing I wanted to bring yeah. up in terms of the live webinars was one of the things that we used to do when I was doing it as a manufacturer was we would schedule it twice on Fridays, once at 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern and once at 9 a.m. Pacific. Oh, okay. So, if you, so basically it's the first thing you do when you get in in the morning um, and it catches you on a Friday. But additionally, if the East Coast guys wanted to hang out and watch it over their lunch break, you watch the 9 a.m. session and you see the second session. So we would offer two sessions simultaneously, uh, or not simultaneously, but subsequently on the same Friday um, at those times in order to catch both sides of the country because trying to trying to get a swath that wide across four time zones is just, it's too hard. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's the, one of the things is, is – is, that's what makes the, the U.S. such a – or North America such a unique animal – uh, we're going to talk about international here in one second, but I, I want to make this point, and I've made it several times. Uh, you, you talk about the UK, right? Talk about the UK simply because it's 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 a, a you know a sister country. We all, all came from the same kind of folks. It's a small area, right? The time they all have one same time zone, so you could, in theory, do one training up and down um, and through for Ireland and for you know Scotland and for you know Wales and and for England you can all do that you can't do that in the, in, the, in North America you know our infrastructure is different um, you know we have such a, a broad country that sometimes it's difficult to do all that so 
All right, uh, let's talk about international AV for a sec- for a couple of seconds. Uh, I mentioned the fact that last week we were at uh, Integrated Systems Europe, world's largest AV show, seventy three thousand plus people, not too shabby. Um, HB Communications is coming to our buddies uh, at Commercial Integrator. HB Communications are expanding globally. They are announcing the HB Communications UK, not the first integrator in the states to go overseas. Won't be the last either, kids. Um, we're actually talking a little bit uh, beforehand uh, about uh, folks like uh, the Global Partnership Alliance and um, other integrators who have who have different um, ex- expanded overseas. Um, mentioned that that one of the the folks that helps us out here at, at AB Nation, uh, his name is Mike Shen. Um, Mike has recently uh, jumped on board with with the folks at, at Varix and Tom Barry. That's what Mike is doing, right? Mike, Mike is doing you know um, international AV. Chris, I'm not going to ask you when you know when Herman's going to offer uh, international stuff, but when you're talking to your folks, right? And uh, I'm certain that somewhere along the line, somebody has asked you, you know, Chris, can can you fly some folks over? Do you have some folks over? What are what are some of the driving forces that they're te- that they're that they're that your clients are telling you? Hey, this is why we're looking at expanding outside the borders of of North America. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's and it's been going on for a long time. Um, you know, back in my days when I was over at AVISPL, um, you oh, know, yeah. when we first started seeing all of that is that companies no longer want to deal with 15 integrators around just the U.S. and then have to go find international partners. Um, companies have finally smartened up to the point where they realize they have to create standards in their organization. They want to have, you know, consistent delivery. They want to have consistent programming and, 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 and you know, one number to call when they need service. Um and, and, you know, we work with a lot of partners that help them be more national uh, in scope here in the U.S., uh, but then they have customers who are like, oh, but we also have, you know, people in Brazil and we have people in Europe and we have people in, uh, you know, the Middle East and, and Asia. How can you help us with that? And, you know, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're in our fifth year of business, so, you know, we've grown very fast. We've done a great job. Uh, we're, we're still not even in every city in the U.S., so I keep saying, you know, let us, let us fill out our full uh, gamut. <laughs> And then maybe we'll look at Canada, and uh, I don't know if we'll get into Mexico because there might be a, a wall or something we have to contend with. But uh, there are airplanes. Beyond... What's that? It's that there are airplanes. There are airplanes and ladders and everything else. Boats. Oh, boats. <laughs> but um, you know, I could see us eventually having to do that as well um, because again, we've had a number of, of companies asking us uh, about that. But you know, it's it's becoming um, you know it's it's it, it, it's globalization. The you know these companies are. You know, working internationally. Uh, you know, you got a, a, a world with 6.7 billion people, and there's only 300 million of them here in the U.S. So there's a lot of business <laughs> elsewhere. And uh, I think if a company's going to grow, that's that's where they've got to look. That's the the new frontier. So yeah, uh, Mr. Strago, not for nothing. Uh, you mentioned the fact that you used to work for a manufacturer. That manufacturer was not necessarily based in the U.S. Uh, so you had a, you have a little bit of experience doing uh, you know international. In addition, TCOM, the company you uh, you actually work for on a full time basis, they have offices outside the states. So, you have a unique perspective on this. Um, talk for a second about you know managing and dealing with you know AV, this this wonderful industry we all deal you we all work in outside of of North America. Oh, so which side do you want me to start with, manufacturing or consulting? Consulting. It's it's the most recent one for you. Okay. 
Um, one of our regular conversations here is the differentiation in terms of product availability, power recycling, things like that, which always creates problems. Uh, but one of the biggest issues that always pops up in terms of consulting internationally is culture shock. I mean, you, you, so? you, well, you have to think about the fact that the U.S. and I am going to isolate myself even further in my Bay Area bubble um, is a very unique environment. Consulting just outside the Bay Area for some people that have been born and raised in this region or lived and worked in this region and only dealt with tech companies for the last 15, 20 years, whatever it may be, it's a very different world. And so when you're talking about these global environments and these globalization of AV, this is the reality. It's a, it's a globalized economy. It's a globalized everything anymore. We, we can't exist in an isolationist state, not to make it sound political, but to a certain point it is. It's, it's, we, are, we are reliant on others. We cannot isolate ourselves any further. So in that respect, everybody that's offering services in these environments realizes that their clients are, off, are working beyond these borders as well. Yeah. may not be a big office. It may be a couple of floors in a given city or a floor or a few desks in a given city, but they need facilities. They need these things. And if you're already creating a user experience from one city to another within a given country like the U.S., it only makes sense to try and establish that consistency across borders because then anywhere they go, any meeting room they go to in the entire world, they're going to find the same experience. And that's what it boils down to is we've, and you know, it's we, a lot of us laughed and teased about the idea of the exceptional experience that Infocom introduced. But one of the things that we keep coming back to over this is that you're trying to create, not necessarily, I mean, yes, you want it to be exceptional and you want it to be wonderful, but you're trying to create a unified experience. It's about user interaction. We are the device that people utilize when they walk into any space. Room scheduler, touch panel, uh, display and input connectivity. All of these things are continuous across any given environment that you go into. And in order to create that, you need companies that understand this is your standard and you need to establish that standard and write that and have it well done and have it well documented and have people inside the company itself as well as people providing that service that understand and, and want to pursue that standard and help you succeed in executing that standard. And that's where all of this comes across is that as you globalize, you don't want your standards to change from country to country, just like you don't want your standards to change from floor to floor. You are executing a single idea as to what your company is in terms of the ease of communication. And that's what we're providing is the ease of communication. So if we start to create that differentiation, all we're doing is hurting ourselves and the industry suffers because of it. So watching people expand over borders is only logical because they're trying to support the customers that they have beyond the, loca the locality that they have been. So I want to pick up on something you said, and, and that that's uh, product availability. And um, we we went to to ISU Aviation went to ISU for the first time two years ago. Uh, two years ago was our first experience. We we are still the new kids on the block when it comes to to AV media, and uh, there are folks that that have done it far longer than we have. One of the things that I was struck by, um, and again I've said this once, I've said it a thousand times. I'm a big dumb American kid from the Midwest, right? I am I am the the penultimate flyover country person. <laughs> I. I am walking through these floors and I'm running into these these companies I've never heard of before, right? And you've never heard of them 
because they don't they don't distribute here um, either by choice or or they haven't found the right partner yet. Um, so Josh, I want you to talk for a second as you're as you're consulting and like I mentioned the fact that Tcom has has offices in the UK. There are products that are available here that aren't necessarily available in the UK. Um, it's it's less likely there than it is maybe let's say France or Germany or or, or um, some of the other countries. Um, how do you design for that? Is it is it where you you fall back on maybe some of the more established companies that that do have multinational distribution, or is it one of these things where yes you want consistency, yes you want a standard. But in this one instance, guys, we have to trade out this switcher for this switcher or this projection screen for that projection screen. Having not done it myself, I can only speak as a third party watching others do it. And so I do want to preface that. Um, I haven't worked on any international projects yet. But what I can say is you rely on business partners that are available because you want to create that unified experience. It shrink uh, it 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 uh, sh- shrinks your availability of products sometimes to do that um, but at the same time you also build a different relationship with the manufacturers because then it's hey you guys have this thing I really like it here are you intent do you have it available over there can I put that here is there any restriction as to why um, and then you start to look at that and you build that relationship and you you establish a different kind of communication uh, when it comes to that and manufacturers release products and you know flipping to my other flat cap from my manufacturing days um, manufacturers offer products in regions specifically because they think they'll be successful they, they develop products based on market yeah. there are specific products that were developed for the US market there are specific projects that were developed for European or for the um, Japanese market that the manufacturer that I worked for said, these are the products that we're developing and now we'll modify them based on what you want to do in order to meet your power restrictions, in order to meet UL, in order to do those other things. But the products are specific, when products are generally developed, depending on the manufacturer, they're developed with a specific region in mind and then tailored according to wherever they need to go after that. Not the case for every manufacturer. I will state that plainly, but my experience was that. It was, this is a product we made for Europe and we're going to give it to you now and you guys go figure out how to deploy that. Okay, well, we want these features to work a little differently. Uh, We'll look at that and maybe we can make them tailored, tailor one or two of those, but we're going to make it work this way. All right, and so it becomes a negotiation on trying to get a product that you can bring to market that suits yours because everybody's got different needs and how people do things. And this goes back to my statement about the cultural differentiation is everybody's looking at it slightly differently in terms of user execution and expectation. And so you have to have an understanding as to what your market wants in order to develop product that suits that market and then tailor that to meet each of the market demands after that. So it becomes this, this domino effect of little subtle changes become massive things in the long run yeah, and I will I will definitely echo that we we, we did an interview with uh, with our, uh, Paul Williams at um, at control four and, and small thing right it, it's a it's a light switch but in the UK market they instead of the decora plate and if you don't know what a decora plate is go look on your wall that's a decor, that, that that light switch that little square that rectangle thing that's decora in the UK market they want them square and they also happen to like Chrome. So Control 4 developed a square wall plate, and they made it in Chrome because of that specific market. Now, does that mean you can't buy it for the U.S.? 
eh, probably you can do it. But, you know, again, aesthetics and culture and stuff like that, you probably necessarily want to. All right, last story here, and we'll let you guys get out of here. Um, Sony last week at, at ISC, and this is our only true ISC story, unveiled a very interesting <laughs> um, technology. Um, it's called uh, CLEDIS. And again, I'm a big dumb American from the Midwest. That to me says Cletus, which <laughs> is, you know, another character in a, another story. Um, but here's the thing I, I have watched Sony with a, oh my gosh, come on, guys, let's go type of, of attitude for the last few years. And yes, this is gorgeous. And yes, this is pretty. But holy cow, this reminds me so much of so many other Sony technologies over the last few years. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of a, a product called uh, Crystal LED that they had at, at, at CES three or four years ago. They showed it once at CES, and you never saw it again. So, uh, Shrego, I'm going to um, ha- start with you on this. Where exactly do we think Sony is going with either with this technology or with their partnership with LG and OLED or just in general? Where is Sony headed in, in the the, the the display technology. Mm, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, there's no clear direction. No. Uh, I can't tell you the last time I saw a Sony rep. Um, I can't tell you the last time I spec'd a Sony thing, a Sony, a Sony display. I'll spec some of their other stuff, but um, I have, and then they're diversifying to this point where it's like, okay, well, which direction are you going? And Diversification is not a bad thing. I mean, having LED product, having flat panel product, having a wide variety um, allows you to fit into everybody's niches. But at the same time, it's like, what am I going to do with this? And yes, I know there's the idea that, well, what can I do with this? I can do so many things. I could put this in this. I could put, and then reality sets in and you see a price tag for it. And not everybody has a bottomless wallet. So it becomes, okay, well, what am I really going to do with something like this? It's pretty, it's shiny. It allows us to showcase some things. It allows us to showcase what display technology could be 10 years from now in a widespread fashion as opposed to an isolated booth or stand, if you will. Um, But I really, I I have no clue where Sony's heading. I, I just, I don't. I haven't seen anything that gives me a clear direction as to what they're trying to accomplish. All right, Chris, uh, you you have a oh, Chris and I are about the same age, so you you and I have been around a long time for and, and watched Sony um, evolve. How about that? We'll put it that way. Um, where from your from your standpoint, where do you, where do you think they're headed? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm gonna agree with Josh. I mean, I for years have been trying to figure out exactly what is it that Sony's you know where they're going, uh, especially with their display market. Um, you know, I, I read the article before coming on and, and, and sat there and said, well, who's going to even create content yeah. for this? I mean, you, you're talking about a resolution that, uh, you know, we're, we're still we're still thirsting for good 4K content. And they're talking about 8K and all this amazing stuff. And, you know, quite honestly, there's just some things that you just don't need that high resolution. You know, I, <laughs> you know, at what point is, is, is it diminishing returns? And then again, you're going to have a price tag on it that's going to be. Um, I'm sure it's going to be unbelievable, uh, and there will be somebody out there that needs it because it's the latest, the greatest, the fanciest. But um, I just don't know at the end of the day what 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 their end game is. I mean, and I, I, I guess unless maybe you can play video games on it or something, maybe that's the 
32k that's the that's the that's the topper right there is, is that the, is that yeah. where it's going yeah 30, yeah it's just uh yeah i don't i really don't know um sony is it's 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 an amazing thing to me because uh again going back to my past life uh you know you, you have a product that's recognized globally as one of the top two or three brands you would think that every av person would go out there and sell sony because everybody knows sony but Nobody, you know, as Josh said, you, you can't remember the last time you specced it. No, nobody specs it because it's like you don't really know if the product's going to be available three months from now when you get your PO uh, or what it's going to be replaced with and what the price tag is going to be. And, and sure as heck, there's nobody coming out talking to you and saying, hey, here's what, uh, you know, what the vision is, where it's going. So it's, it's a tough, tough thing. Um, it's, I'm, I'm glad it's not my job. Yeah, mine, mine, mine either. So, all right, guys, that is going to do it for us. Thank you so much. Um, Mr. Chris Bianche from Herman Pro AV. Thank you, sir. Excellent. Have a great day. Uh, how do people find you if uh, they want to get a hold of, of Herman? Um, well, they can go to our website, www.herman-is.com. That's uh, Herman Integration Services. We're part of the Pro AV team. And uh, that's that's uh, an easy way to get to- in touch with us. All right. Very good. Mr. Josh Trago, thank you, sir, as always. How do people find you? I'm around. You, you are. Know. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter at JSRAGO. Uh, you can find me at Aviation. Uh, you can find me at soundreason.org. You can find me at Infocom. You can find me in magazines. You can find me annoying the FCC on a regular basis. These are all true, actually. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, for me, don't follow me on, on the Twitters, but go by the website if you would, please, avnation.tv. Avnation.tv, you'll find this program a, and a host of others. I mentioned the fact that we were at ISE last week. Uh, you can find all that, all, all of those videos that we did and all the stuff that we wrote. We did a daily wrap-up every day with a bunch of really great folks, did a bunch of really great uh, interviews, uh, and uh, produced some. Uh, we had an AV week from there, uh, a resi week couple other programs as well so check all that out at uh, at the website avnation.tv avnation.tv thanks so much for listening thank you so much for watching it's all the time we have for av week <laughs> <laughs>